gospel conversation. Um, it's wonderful to have these wonderful women on discussing our first deep gospel episode in the season of Lent. Um, but we'll start with introductions. So my name is Haley Eccles. Uh, I get to serve as the associate director and pastor in residence at Campus to City Wesley Foundation. And we have two of our lovely staff and um, Flagler students slash alumni with us. So um, Allison, why don't you introduce yourself first? Um, I'm Allison. I am a ministry assistant with UCW. I work a lot full of two-year-olds. Hi, I'm Keely Smith and I am a student at Flagler and an intern with CCW. Thank you, ladies. And then we also have um, Kelly Minter with us, who has worked with youth in several different capacities within our conference and is doing something completely different. So if you want to introduce yourself, Kelly. Yeah, my name is Kelly Minter, and I have been, was in youth ministry for 20 some years, um, conference level and local church level. And now I am working in the school district as a mental health counselor. And I have a private practice where I'm a therapist. That's so great. And um, I wonder, you must have made this shift really soon um, before mm -hmm. all the pandemic stuff started. So is that true? <laughs> Yeah, I, um, the end of my time in the local church was um, much, much to do with the pandemic. And before that, I had graduated my master's in counseling, was working on my registered internship and that sort of thing. It just came uh, time to do some things that were different. And so now I'm doing something that's very different. Mm -hmm. Very different in a season that it would be that is different for all of those yeah. school counselors out there. So, um, oh, and I'll also just take a moment to remind um, CCW that we very much affirm having Jesus and a therapist. So it's wonderful to have someone who affirms that with us as well. Um, I'm sure many of y'all have heard us um, talk about how important therapy is in our personal and spiritual growth. So, um, so we are going to explore this first passage in our lectionary in the season of Lent, uh, Mark 1, 9 through 15, and I'm going to get Kelly to read it for us. Um, but first, Allison, will you center us in a word of prayer? Yes. God, I pray that you're here with each of us, even though we can't be together right now because of this crazy pandemic that's going on in our world. We are still together through online spaces. May you lead us through all of our challenges and through all of our gospel implications while we go through this Bible study together, that you lead us to better understand the words of the gospel and to help each other better understand the words of the gospel. Amen. Amen. All right, I'm gonna be reading. Yeah, go ahead. I was just asking you to read. <laughs> yes. So it's Mark chapter one, verses nine through 15, NLT New Living Translation. Baptism temptation of Jesus. 
One day Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and John baptized. He saw the heaven part and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly beloved son and you bring me great joy. The spirit then compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. He was out among the wild animals and the angels took care of him. Later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. Thanks, Kelly. So as we read this scripture, for those of you who've been following along with Deep Gospel every week, the lectionary um, does something that feels a little weird. We've talked about um, verses 1 through 11 several weeks ago. Then we talked about 14 through uh, 20. And then we continued into Mark, and now we're coming back and recapturing these two verses, 12 and 13, in their context um, and talking about them. So some of this might feel like really familiar, and I think, one, it's a good reminder that there are still so many perspectives and these passages never get old, um, but I also remember commenting on how it was weird that we skipped these two verses, so I'm excited to see what we find in them. Um, we always start with the things that we liked. Um, it helps. I, I see it as the way the spirit kind of welcomes us into the text. And so for me, the thing I like is Mark says... He was with the animals, or in my version, the wild beast, and the angels waited on him. Um, and so even though he's spending this time in solitude and in suffering in his fasting and, and testing that's happening, um, there's this sense that he isn't alone. And there's this beautiful, I'm going to put it in the chat, um, there's this beautiful um, series of 40 picture cartoon depictions um, that kind of take us through these 40 days of Jesus fasting and the ones where the angels are are kind of carrying him and nourishing him as he's in creation um, are just really beautiful holy images so um, it also makes me think of the that series of artwork and um, unfortunately I can't remember the artist right now but I will find the link and put it in the chat so that other people can see it. Um, Keely what did you like about this text? I really liked um, God and him saying, you are my, uh, well, in my version, it says, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Um, I guess I really just love that, like, affirmation from God, even though he's not, like, terrible with giving you, like, affirmations. I guess it's, like, never too many I guess, and um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I like that part. Thanks, Keely. And I think it um, it's always a good reminder and in our series that we've been talking about the beloved, which will have just ended, um, that it's a journey to really hear God 
calling us the beloved. Um, Allison, what did you like? So I think um, mine's similar to Keely's. Um, I'm wondering too, if we're reading different versions, because um, I think it's the same verse, but um, verse 11 says, you are my son whom I dearly love. If you, in you, I find happiness. It's the CB version. I just, I got used to it with CCW and I just, it's kind of grown on me. And so it's the version I usually use now. Um, and that last part of it, the in you, I find happiness um, is kind of out of that whole section we read stood out to me the most because I think it's that reminder of like what God did for us, sending us Jesus, his son, who he loves and who he found happiness in. Um, and I just, I liked the way the verse kind of made me remember. That's really cool. I um, didn't read in that version. So um, I always love when we see some new things um, in different versions. Um, Kelly, what did you like? So when I was younger, um, we used to watch these movies um, that are, yes, historically inaccurate to the nth degree, but the thing that always stuck out to me was the imagery on the screen of this moment of Jesus' baptism and coming up out of the water and the dove coming down and sitting on his shoulder and the voice from the sky. And I think for me, it was so, it became such a, it became such a thing I sought, you know, hearing God say, I'm pleased with you. You know, it's such a beautiful moment, the sun and the water and the just, you know, everything about it was such a beautiful moment. And I don't feel like scripturally, we see a lot of imagery of just really, really peaceful, beautiful moments. And it's just a moment, you know, but there's always like this brewing, I feel like in that, when I read it, when I see it, um, depicted in art or in a movie, I'm just, it's so peaceful. And I, I just like the peace it brings. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. You bring it up as a moment because, um, the very next verse, <laughs> Sorry, I feel like it keeps pausing. Um, the very next verse is immediately he goes into the wilderness. And so um, I can feel that sense of like, what was the rush? <laughs> Just get to enjoy a moment. Um, but Mark is in a hurry. We've um, talked about this before. Um, and in a hurry to cover a lot of different things, which... I'm trying to make it a seamless segue, but it's not working to our challenges. <laughs> um, so for me, those challenges are the, the places where either I'm being challenged in my own spiritual growth faith um, and what I'm seeing, or um, 
the text is something that is particularly challenging to me um, and that I, I love scripture enough that I'm willing to wrestle with those parts that are challenging. So um, I'm wondering what it is for you guys today. Um, Keely, what was your challenge? It kind of leads off of um, the thing that I said that I liked. I still like that. But in my version, like right after he says, like, I love you and you make me very pleased. Um, at once the spirit sent him out into the wilderness. Um, and he was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with wild animals and angels attended him. Um, it's a little bit different in uh, another version where it's the, the spirit then compelled Jesus to go out into the wilderness. I guess I just like, but I guess it's like the whole relationship with like Jesus and God. It always feels very like, I love you. You're doing very good. I like, and then it's like, sacrifice everything. And I know it's like, I don't know, I guess it challenges me sometimes like with my feelings of that. I know that like Jesus know, knew what he had to do and there's a reason, but yeah, sometimes. Yeah, um, I have some thoughts about this. I think it'll add in my challenge. So I'm going to ask Allison what your challenge is. So funny enough, it's actually similar to Keely's skin. Um, so in the verse 11, which is the verse that kind of stuck out to me the most, um, you're my son whom I dearly love in you, I find happiness. And then it immediately in verse 12 goes to at once the spirit forced Jesus out into the wilderness. And for some reason, I just got stuck on that word forced because it was like, you're my son. I love you. You make me so happy. But like, bye, go into this space that's like unknown. And so it just I just had a hard time reading that and I had to read it several times because I was like, is that I did I read that? Is that what actually is happening right now? And um, you know, reading on, I understand it a little bit more, but I don't know, it just caught me off guard, I guess. And then for Jesus to come out of the wilderness and just be like, you know, repent your sins, you know, believe the good news, as if like that transition didn't go on. And so that it just catches me off guard a little bit and it's something that I have to like, I think, look at more to fully grasp as a concept. Yeah, I would say that this is also a place where my challenge comes from. And maybe also because I'm focusing on these two verses more, given that um, given that we explored kind of the before and after of it all in, in previous um, conversations. But this is a challenge just with Mark in general um, of moving so quickly from one thing to another where I just have so many more questions than I feel like you're giving me answers. Um, I love this question of, um, Keely, you used the word compelled. Allison, your version used the word forced. Mine used the word drove. Um, 
let's see. So between those three words that we've already heard, there is that language that kind of um, wondering about consent and other things in this uh, particular action. And then in every other gospel representation we have of this time that Jesus takes, we get a glimpse of the work that is happening in Jesus' spiritual life. All we get is Satan, angels, creation, and he emerges with a message. And I just want to know a little bit more about what happened, even from, from Mark's perspective, um, especially because Mark tends to focus a lot on the demonic spirits in the text. And so Satan's presence in this moment, I'm just curious of, of how that fits in, why we move from such a high high to a low low so quickly. Um, and while in other versions, I feel like I've always looked at this time as a time of preparation and somewhat like rest or restoration, the kind of thing, like if I went to a monastery for a week to just study and be with God. But in this version, it's an absence of God. It's actually presence with the devil and temptation. And this is not a relaxing journey. This is like right in the midst of like spiritual warfare. So um, I don't have like a clear challenge other than I just have so many questions. I don't know, maybe Kelly has some, some answers to her challenges. So I'm going to ask you what your challenge is. Usually my question, when someone poses a question, I ask why it's important to them. That would be my next question for everybody is like, why is that what you, like, I know why the challenge for me is what I focus on. Um, this is always, no matter what scriptural representation of this story of the temptation of Jesus, it has always been one of the hardest things for me to accept and to understand. Um, it just gets, it gets to me, you know? And I'm like, how many times in, how many times in my life have I been like, yes, like I'm built up and, you know, like just I'm, I'm up there, I'm on the mountain. And it's like, the only reason for the mountain is for the pit below. And I'm kind of like, how about, how about we don't have mountains, then we don't have pits. You know what I mean? Like, or maybe like a hill, like a valley, not like, what is that? Like, why is that always the way that it works? It doesn't need to work that way. And I get it. For me, I'm a very stubborn person. God knows I'm a stubborn person. So he uses that and whatever else he has at his disposal, which is, you know, everything to get to me. I get that. But this portion of it is so diff has always been so difficult for me because Jesus, like it goes back into the religious, um, really almost into the religious trauma sector, which I do a lot of work in that area. And so maybe that's where my brain goes naturally because of that, because the guilt portion of you follow Jesus because he laid down his life for you is the only option that was ever given to me growing up, right? Like I grew up in church, always in church, every time the door open, that's where we were. And that's why you did it because it makes you a good person. And because Jesus gave his life for you. And if you were the only person on the face of the planet, God still would have sent his son down to die for you. And I'm like, I didn't ask him to do that though. So why, why do I owe 
somebody something then. That doesn't, that never made sense to me because it was about duty and it was about obligation and it wasn't about love. And I'm like, if you're going to talk to me about duty and obligation, then like, cool that someone sacrificed something, but I didn't ask them to, you know? And it just became this like forced uh, obedience thing, which I then projected to Jesus's attitude about the whole thing. And he's like, cool, I'll just do one more thing and one more test. And I'm just here to sacrifice and die and just, you know, hate life. And I love life. And I want to think that like Jesus wants me to love life. So the whole thing gets wild for me, no matter what representation, no matter what gospel is, is presenting it, the whole thing's wild, just bizarre to me. Um, on the other side of it, I love the fact that on a very like psychological therapist type thing, I love the fact that there was the time of rejoicing and the time of beauty and the time of sunlight before the darkness. And there's the reminder, like Mark's like, Hey guys, I'm not going to deal with this for you. There's other people who are going to deal with this for you, like whatever, but just so you know, it sucked, but the angels were there. Okay. Moving on, you know, like things are crappy right now and that's okay. It's okay to feel like things are crappy, but also there's good. And I'm going to show you the good, or maybe if I don't, someone else will you know, but it's always been a challenge for me. But from that aspect, I'm like, okay, you hit all the important points. I know that there's no, there's still no way that God is leaving his son completely powerless, you know, completely at the disposal of other things that want to harm him. But like the harm part is always the hard part for me, because then we are obligated because of a harm that I had nothing to do with. And that's just hard for me to like get behind, you know? Yeah. So that's the challenge for me. There's so many good things that you said there. I'm going to let Keely respond first and then I'll add um, my thoughts. I guess I feel like what I'm about to say is going to sound like a little weird but I guess as I get older like hearing the things that Jesus goes through I just can't imagine the trauma sometimes you uh -huh. know and like in high school you hear and you're like oh my god like thank you Jesus like I love you Jesus like this is so amazing but now like as an adult I'm just like the trauma and it feels like he never gets to heal or like process or go through and he just he just takes on and takes on and takes on and I know he's Jesus this is what he's meant to do like he knows what he's meant to do but sometimes I just feel bad <laughs> you know yeah. and I still am, am like I hate that he had to build on so much trauma and never reprieve like he was just ex and then he was expected to take on other people's traumas and just heal everyone and yeah I guess that's like my issue is just like when does like this is just gonna sound crazy but like when does Jesus get to heal because he's like fully man and fully God like that like he needs to like time to heal 
The additional part to that, Keely, that I feel like you're you're also maybe not, I'm just projecting this onto you, so it might be wrong, but like we're taught to be like Jesus, right? And that becomes this weird thing that we do as Christians. And I think also specifically as Christian females, that makes us feel like we don't get to acknowledge our trauma or or rest like yes Jesus rested but like the way it's depicted in the bible it's like maybe a five minute span you know so like oh he took a break and like and then made a lesson out of it you know like he he never healed from any of it he never like let it stop him so when we do it feels indulgent you know and self-care should never feel indulgent but it does because of like what you're saying. Sorry, I jumped in. I know Haley, I think you were going to say something, but <laughs> just like- no, I, I love it. And I like the, the back and forth and the conversation Keely that so that was a completely different thing than what I was thinking, but such a valid thought. And I think some of that, um, wrestling with what Jesus has gone through leads to some of my gospel implication. Um, I'll just say that one of the nerdy things I heard in what Kelly said, not that Kelly said anything nerdy, but my nerdy brain went off was that, that Mark does something that some of the other gospels don't do in collapsing some temporal spaces. Mark loves to bring demonic and heavenly and like humanity like all together boom 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 to just to me I feel like it reminds us that things aren't as different as gradient as far off as we make them to be and sometimes that feels comforting in the sense that heaven is present right here with us even in the the most difficult times of suffering, but it can also feel very burdensome when we think of how those low places, the um, brokenness, and um, I think maybe we wouldn't use the word demonic, but we certainly would use, um, would call out evidence of demonic systems like uh, racism and sexism and misogyny and white supremacy and things that swirl around us that we're living in that sometimes can feel like the whole thing. Um, And so it's just so interesting in this one verse to have these depictions of creation and the heavenly and the demonic kind of all collapsed into one all in this place and Jesus is just kind of there to order it and while um the human part of Jesus it's really hard to wrestle with in that place the God part that is Jesus is made to bring order in the midst of all of that chaos is made to separate whatever those things are that are that are at play and those forces that are at play. So I just I also think that that's really um, interesting and gives us a glimpse at that divinity in that moment. Not easy still. <laughs> um, so we move from these challenges with trepidation, but still uh, marching on for that gospel implication and, and where we see 
good news and why we bother reading scripture to begin with to just encounter God. Um, and so I'll let Allison start with what your gospel implication was. So I think, I don't know if it's just like a personality thing for me or what it is, but I think every deep gospel I've done, I've come out with like the same gospel implication. And I don't know if it's, if it's who I am as a person and it's just what I see in these situations, but I almost always point to trust. Um, cause I just, I feel like in this one, particularly, you know, God says, you know, I love you. You're my son. And then he throws him into the wilderness and Jesus does everything he's supposed to do in this situation that he was thrown into and then comes out and is still like, you know, telling everyone to trust God. So he, I mean, I don't know personally how I would do in that situation, but Jesus is like, yeah, trust God. He, you know, repent your sins, believe in him, do what you're being led to do kind of stuff. And so for some reason, I always end up coming back to trust and, um, and I just feel like a lot of the verses from what I'm pulling at it, it pulling from them is just, um, Jesus trusted God through all of this. So I should be trusting Jesus and God to lead me through my life and the things that I'm doing, um, which sometimes I can be a little tough about. And sometimes maybe I'll, I ignore that a little bit. Cause I'm like, I want to go do this and I don't want to do that. And so it's always nice for me to read these verses and be like, well, actually, you know, Jesus did it. So why can't I do it? Why can't I follow where I'm supposed to be going? And so I just think it's a good reminder. The image that came to mind, Allison, and your gospel implication is if you've ever seen those videos where parents will throw like babies into the water to teach them how to swim. And this like terrifying feeling I had in the, in that moment of trust of like, okay, but if God throws me into the water, and I'm not swimming, God's going to like come in and help, right? Which I think that you would agree that God would, but I think it also helps capture just how much of a journey that is to really trust um, and to, to see the way that God is at work in those things. So I really appreciate that. Um, Kelly, what was your gospel implication? So for me, um, one of the things that I've always struggled with understanding, and mostly I've struggled with it because working with youth, I wanted to be able to help them to understand it. And if I don't understand it, how do I do that? Um, is the difference in my perspective versus God's perspective. So there's that part um, that God's understanding and perspective and expectations and big picture um, and really ownership of everything. That is the point, you know? It's like we, understanding that, understanding that God's uh, priorities are different from us as humans has shifted the way I look at the entire gospel. And there's not a better example of that than the way that 
people deal with unexpected death. Mm -hmm. Um, When people say, oh, God took them or it was their time or all of those things that we say that are actually severely damaging to one another, but we say it because we think it helps. Um, Always comes from a really uh, kind place, but it's not, well, it's not true. Um, The bigger picture implication that I have had to come to terms with due to some things that have happened in my life is that the way that we look at life is not how God looks at life. You know, we look at life as everything that it is and, and everything that we have and everything that we know. And sometimes God looks at life like he loves what we're doing because he loves us, right? So he just looks like just, he loves, like that's what he does. But also we're not with him when we're here and he sees the whole thing, you know? And there's just more to it than it was their time or, or whatever it is. And, and the reason that that like applies here is because the whole struggle that I have is how can you say you love somebody this much and it's your son and you're, you know, sending them off to, to Satan to do whatever Satan wants to do um, and testing. And the word testing has always been really hard for me because I feel like testing implies an immaturity of the relationship. And I I have a really hard time with that word being used. Um, But the hard time that I have gets easier when I remember that there are things that I'm just going to be okay with not completely understanding because I don't see the big picture and I don't know everything and that's okay. And that's actually really comforting because if I knew everything I don't, I don't like it as much, you know, I don't want that responsibility. I, I want to be able to say, I don't know everything and I don't understand this and this is hard, but there's other stuff that happens. There's other good things that happen and there's other bad things that happen and God's timing, God's viewpoint, God's size, it's just different than ours. And that, that understanding has shaped the way I've looked at the entirety of scripture once I came to that understanding. Yeah, I I appreciate the humility in this that if there's anything that we get from this passage, I do think there's a, a there's a comfort for me in passages that remind me that I'm not God and I don't have to be God. Um, and so answering all of these questions, not having to be the one to answer these questions can be um can be a source of comfort. Um, And I think it does come uh, when you mentioned spiritual trauma. I think that the way we talk about testing, um, it just teeters so close on God as puppet master versus God, the one who calls us beloved. Um, So it's interesting that Mark makes a distinction of Satan being the one doing the tempting, that it's not um, God refining through some series of of tests, um, but that it's something outside of God um, and probably a good reminder for us too when we feel like we're going through the ringer that we can't 
we can see the ability of God to use it for our good without seeing it as something God is sending to us and watching to see, um, is she going to get it right? Is she going to respond the way that I am hoping she would? Um, and all of that is so nuanced and, and, and difficult and takes time, um, to the point where when we get into the nitty gritty, it's nice to be able to say, I don't know if I have that exactly right, but that is part of the story. Um, when you said that oftentimes when people have questions of scripture, your thought is, um, or the encouragement is, you know, what makes you think of that as your question? Um, really sparked or made me think about these questions I have around Jesus tempting and um, Jesus' rest and self-care and Jesus just vicarious suffering for us. And there, there is something about me and I'll just I'll just say me, but I don't I know I'm not the only person who feels this way. Um, who sees a little bit too much of Jesus' humanity in these passages to the point where it's like, why does God have to go through testing? Like if Jesus is God, like why does God have to go through these things? Why can't God just, God is God. Like God's supposed to be perfect. Like um, God shouldn't need to go into the wilderness to know what God needs to preach because God is God. Mm -hmm. And so wrestling with the fact that, that this passage really highlights Jesus humanity. And there's something in my own humanness that wants to save Jesus from Jesus own humanity. Um, I think it gets us to this gospel implication that is so important in the sense that Jesus is fully human and that this is one of those instances where while Jesus is not alone in this and we're told that that angels are right there with him that because of this we are not alone in our suffering as well um and that uh even though he hasn't gone there yet Jesus is going to descend and ascend through all the temporal spaces uh, down to the pit of hell and return up into heaven so that they've all been redeemed in a way that we don't even fully comprehend. So that is my gospel implication. Um, Kiwi, what was your gospel implication? Oh, well, I, um, I had it all sorted out, I'm sorry. I think I, I really liked what Kelly had said about um, people always saying that God has a plan. I don't know. I don't know what he has, but I don't really like the thought of him having a plan. You know, I know that might be like a comfort, like, oh, God has a plan for me. But for me, that can be like really restricting. And then I feel like that really makes me like 
demonize him because things can be so awful (laughs) and things just don't make sense and to go like god knew that was going to happen and he planned for it to happen and he just wanted to make you stronger you know i've had so many people tell me like god like god has a plan for you like he only trusts you with this because you're so strong god you are overestimating me right now like i do not want to be doing this um so yeah so i i just i just think I just see God as love and he wants us to be loved and he wants us to love each other and love other people. And I don't, I personally believe like we have free will, like completely like each decision makes your outcome different, you know? And I think he just loves having us love one another, but, um, yeah, so, um, but my, like, gospel implication is, is definitely, like, the trusting with Allison, but one thing that I think sets us, you know, apart from, like, God and Jesus, um, is, like, our humanity it's not easy to trust, you know? And I think, I guess I'm like now thinking about like all the issues that I have with some like parts of this passage is that um, Jesus knows people probably wouldn't believe him being like fully man and fully God, you know? And being out in the wilderness, you know, for 40 days. And like this passage says tempted, but like when I'm thinking of like being tempted by Satan, he's taunting him, he's torturing him. He is not attacking him, but like he is trying to persuade him, you know? And like the human part would be like, man, that would be like nice right now or anything like that but like um I think that like to I guess go out into that into uh, into Galilee later on and to like promote like the good news the gospel and to like prove like I guess to like not like prove like he had anything to prove but like just to like have something to back him up is maybe like, I was tempted by Satan, and I didn't give in, you know? Um, But yeah, like that trust that everything will be okay, that like faith is so hard, but Thanks, Keely. I really appreciate the the wrestling, um, the trust, the acknowledgement that sometimes um, something that can be comforting for one person can feel like 
spiritual harm or trauma for another and that we really do have to think about um, who God is really critically so that we can say and do and support one another in the full nature of God and not just like the way we want things to be. And Kelly um, demonstrated that those kind of conversations we have around death. I know we've talked about that before, Keely, um, with your own experiences. And then also just with just those general, what, what am I doing with my life kind of conversations that can happen too. Um, and that God, um, God's love, God's presence, that there's something we can trust in that, um, that maybe would trump some of those other conversations and things that are happening. Um, gosh, this conversation is really, really good. I hope y'all have enjoyed it as much as I have. I think there's still so much more to say about this passage, but I love kind of situating so much of it in these two verses, um, especially as we enter into the season of Lent and kind of encountering our own humanity in these moments. So I'm going to close us in a word of prayer and let's pray. God, in these moments that we encounter you in your scripture, um, that we encounter you in the way you've revealed your scripture to others in our community and in the, the conversation and the richness of these experiences, um, we just thank you for the way that you are present with us that you would send a son to embrace uh, every bit of who we are and that you would call even that fully human God uh, beloved in a way that transfers uh, to us as well so that we might be your beloved as we are united to this person, as we are united with you in this relationship. We ask that you would continue um, to walk with us in all of the difficulties and, and temptations and whatever we face, and that you would encourage and bless us and remind us of your love. We ask this in your holy name. Amen. Well, blessings, everyone, and I wish you all um, a blessed Lent. And until next time. Bye, friends. Thank you for listening to this episode of Deep Gospel. Deep Gospel is a weekly conversation and ministry of Campus to City Wesley, a multi-site campus ministry serving college-age young adults in Northeast Florida. To find out more about worship gatherings and other ways to connect to our community, check out campustocity.org. You can also support us by becoming a Patreon supporter. Until next time, blessings.